Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to Quinton Baptist Church this morning. We're glad to see you all, and if you're a visitor here, we're especially glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Our flowers today have been placed in loving memory of uh, Melvin Thomas by the Mel Thomas family. Congratulations to Pastor Jay and Dana on the birth of Savannah Bell this last Tuesday, and you can send a congratulatory card to the address that's listed in the bulletin. Today is the last day to sign up for Puzzle Mania, which will be held this Friday at 6 p.m. The sign-up sheet is on the welcome desk, and if you would, please sign up to be, participate in either a 300-piece or a 500-piece puzzle. Today is also the last day to turn in your directory update sheets. Forms are available at the welcome desk, and you may drop them off back at the desk or mail them or email them to the church, and those addresses are also listed in the bulletin. Our Easter egg hunt is one month away. If you're interested in donating individually wrapped candy, please drop it off at the church. We'll be having a hymn sing next Sunday evening at the church beginning at 6.30 p.m. Please read your bulletin carefully for additional upcoming events. In keeping with our church constitution, I am repeating this announcement. The public committee has reviewed the qualifications of Pastor Jason Heckley to be senior pastor of Quinton Baptist Church and conducted an interview with him. He has also been interviewed by the deacon board and trustee board. It is recommended that a special business meeting be held on Wednesday, March 6th, and here is a change at 6 p.m. So allow the Olympian workers to attend that meeting. And at that meeting, the following motion be made that the congregation of Quinton Baptist Church accept Pastor Jason Heckley as our senior pastor. As a prelude to the business meeting, there will be a congregational question and answer session with Pastor Jay on Sunday, March 3rd, that's next week, during the Sunday school hour, and we'll meet here in the sanctuary. So again, the business meeting on March 6th will start at 6 p.m. Good morning. Let's open up our service with a word of prayer. Our God, we thank you for how great and awesome of a God that you are. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to come together, um, to gather together as a body of believers to worship you. And so I pray that this time would just be something that is honoring and glorifying to you and just would be an encouragement and a support to all of us here. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. As we sing this song, may we be encouraged to prioritize praising, loving, and living for God in all aspects of our lives. Please stand as we sing together.
pray. Father, we come before you humbly as those who are the recipients of what Christ did for us, who don't deserve anything, but we claim the promise that you've given us in Jesus Christ, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Father, we know that we can do nothing that will earn our way to you. And so we're so incredibly grateful for what you've done in Jesus Christ. Father, this morning, we come to you as needy people as well. We have needs of all different kinds. And so, Father, we bring them before you. Each person here has a need sometimes many needs. And Father, I don't know what they all are, but we lay them in the hands of the God who knows all things. And Father, we ask that you work in each life for your glory and for our good. We do want to lift up Sherman Miller today and just thank you that he's home. We thank you for his um, recovery so far. We pray for continued recovery for him. And we pray for Anne Marie as well as she's uh, taking care of him and, and going through this with him. And Father, we just thank you for their, their testimony today as well. And we do pray also again for uh, Betty Brennan. Father, thank you that she's here today. We just uh, praise you for that and for your continued work in her life. And, 
and we know that you will work in that life. Father, today we especially want to just praise you that Pastor Jay and Dana have now welcomed Savannah into their lives and into our life as a church family. Father, pray for continued healing for, for Dana. We pray for Savannah, that she'll grow healthy, she'll uh, grow in her knowledge of you throughout her life. Father, we pray that each one of us will be a, a, an influence for good for Jesus in her life. Father, we want to lift up also the Missionary of the Month, Skip and Rosie Kite. Father, pray you'll continue to be working in their lives. Um, Father, it can be discouraging sometimes on the mission field. We pray for encouragement for them, that they will see fruit from their ministry, and Father, that you'll just bless them. And Lord, this morning we just pray you be with us during the service. Father, continue to uh, work in each heart. May the Holy Spirit be active this morning. In Jesus' name, amen continue to worship in song and as we sing children in first through third grade are dismissed for children's church please stand Spirit washed in his blood. This is my story. 
you'd like to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10, I will be reading from that passage. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we, be, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Good morning. How are all you today? I know, don't answer that. Some of you may not be doing so good. I don't want to know it. Of course we care, right? We do. Well, for you, if you don't know me, and I'm obviously not Pastor Jay, you can tell by the gray hair, right? Uh, my name is Dan Baldwin. Um, I'm retired. I retired last June as the pastor of Cohansey Baptist Church. And since sometime last summer, my wife Lori and I have been coming here to Quinton Baptist Church. We consider this our home church. If you are a guest today, let me just encourage you to become more than a guest. Plug in. First of all, welcome, but plug into the church. Get involved in Sunday school or small group or or Wednesday night uh, study and prayer meeting or something, because, folks, this is a good church. And I want you to become part of this church. You need to be part of a body that, that worships together. And, and Pastor Jay brings solid biblical sermons every Sunday. This is a great place to be. And I'm so happy to be here. My wife and I are both happy to be here. Well, as I said, um, I'm retired. How many of you consider yourselves to be retired? Wow. Look at all those hands. How many of you who are not retired hope to retire someday? <laughs> oh, there's a few of you as well. Well, that's good. This morning, because this morning I want to focus on retirement and 
I figured this is a topic that Pastor Jay couldn't talk to as well as I could, um, for obvious reasons. Uh, but as somebody who's recently retired, I've given this a lot of thought and even some investigation. And did you know that retirement is a, recently, uh, is a, an, a relatively recent innovation? It's not something that people centuries ago would have thought about, but in about the mid-1700s, according to a New York Times article, is when what we think of as retirement began. And then when you come to how do you finance retirement, well, the first pensions didn't show up until the mid-1800s, and that was just for police and firefighters. Uh, by 1950, only half, oh no, 25% of the uh, rest of, the, of people had private, in the private sector had some kind of a pension. By 1960, it was 50%. And of course, in the 30s, I think it was Social Security came to be, and, and today we have, what, uh, Roth, um, we have, we have 401ks, we have Roth 401ks, we have uh, IRAs, traditional ones, we have Roth IRAs, we have SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, 403Bs, uh, you just go on and on. We have all these ways to finance retirement today. But before that, families took care of it, right? They took care of the financial side for the, those who grew, grew older. But today, retirement's considered a normal stage of life. It's a time, it's a time to focus in on, on what we want, <laughs> that we haven't been able to do, to spend more time with grandkids, maybe do some traveling, play some golf, or maybe just relax and become couch potatoes or whatever. However, is this all there is to it? Is this all there is to it? Finally being able to do just what you want. John Piper calls this a tragedy. He says, it's a waste of your one and only precious God-given life. And what I want to say to you this morning is don't waste your retirement. Now, some of you are nowhere near retirement. You have my condolences. <laughs> but don't zone out. Because you're likely to retire someday. I, at least I think most of you are likely to retire someday. And these principles that I'm going to talk about today apply to all of life, not just to retirement. And folks, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living life. Because living the Christian life isn't simply a matter of coming to church, praying, reading your Bible, even giving to the church. and all the, Those are all good things. But it's far more than that. It's about living our whole lives to glorify God. Now, before I delve into what that means this morning, let's look at what the Scripture has to say about retirement. You said, well, Scripture deals with retirement? Well, not much. But let's look at what it says. At least there's not, not a whole lot specifically. The nearest thing to retirement in Scripture that I could find was in the book of Numbers, chapter 8, verses 23 to 26. And this passage has to do with Levites, who are the spiritual leaders of, of Israel. So in Numbers chapter 8, beginning at verse 23, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Levites. From 25 years old and upward, they shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. So 
what you see here is that the Levites began working at the age of 25. I guess they were considered adults. And then they stopped working at the age of 50. So we might say that they retired, right? But notice that it wasn't to just go do their own thing. They did less strenuous work in support of those who weren't retired. So retirement seems to have been a recognition of their, their lesser physical ability. Uh, in that time, age 50 was apparently when the physical ability was dropping off. But that's about as close to retirement as I can find in Scripture. So how are we as Christians to approach retirement today? Well, let's look at some principles from the Bible and see how they apply to retirement. The first principle I want to talk about is that you and I are made to glorify God. Now this begins with the simple fact that God made you. God made you. You and I are His creation. It's His will that matters always because He made you to fulfill His purposes. In other words, He's the potter, we're the clay. He can make us into whatever kind of vessels he decides to make us into, but it's always to glorify him, to achieve his purposes. He also made you in his image to reflect his glory in this world. Okay? Now, for Christians, it actually goes even further because for Christians, for Christians, as Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 20, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Now, he's speaking of the price that Jesus paid to redeem us, to forgive us for our sins. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just die a painful death for no reason. He took our sins on him, and he died for our sins so that we could have our sins forgiven and have the barrier between us and God removed that kept us from glorifying him the way we should. So it says here, glorify God in your bodies. We do that because of what Christ has done for us. So we glorify God with our lives. Well, what does that mean? It's easy to say glorify God, but what does it mean? Well, Pastor Jay taught us in the book of Exodus, if you remember, about God's glory. And he said that God's glory is about God's magnificence, about his weightiness, his importance, all those things are part of what God's glory is about. And to glorify God is to reflect that glory to the world. That is to reflect His magnificence, His importance to us. So people look at us and that's what they see. So we do that in a lot of different ways. We do that when we proclaim Christ, proclaim God in our worship as we worship today. We point to Him as glorious. That's why, folks, it's important to sing as though God is glorious when we come together. Even if you can't carry a, a note in a bucket, sing that offbeat note as, as best you can to glorify God because we're proclaiming His glory as we sing together. But that's just one way. Our entire lives are to reflect God's glory. Now, what does that look like? Well, Jesus says this in Luke, and I may have skipped something, I don't know. I think I'm in the right place. I'm not used to running this thing, so we're going to see how this goes, all right? Um, but Jesus says this in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. He says, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In other words, he says, don't live for you, live for me. That's what he's telling us to do. And then he goes on to say, for whoever would, lo- would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So in a world that encourages us to live for ourselves, Christians are called to live for our Lord. A different kind of a life. To live in a way that, that reveals that he is the most precious thing in our lives. That nothing and no one is more important. That's what it means to glorify God in our lives. Now here's the question. Does that end when we retire? Do we, do we retire from that? Is retirement a time to now just focus in on ourselves and, and seeking the pleasures of life? I don't think so. Because what I see in Scripture is that our living for the Lord is limited only by our time, our talents, our, our gifts, our money, our possessions, etc., etc. It's limited by all that God has blessed us with. All these are gifts from God, right? So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? And the obvious answer is absolutely nothing. I have nothing that God didn't give me, neither do you. Chris Cagle uh, says that we need to reimagine retirement. And in his book by that same name, he writes this. He says, a reimagined retirement is one that is lived for the glory of God, his kingdom, and the good of his people. Now, how many of us think of retirement that way? But if all we are and have ultimately belongs to him, isn't this right? Isn't this the way we should live our lives? Isn't this why Paul tells us in Romans 12:1 to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God? And then, and then he goes on to talk about using our gifts and, and serving the Lord and his people. So that's what he's really looking at here. Now, folks, obviously we do this within our abilities, right? We do it within our abilities. The Levites stepped back from more physical labor at the age of 50. Um, so our health, our, our age, our our um, family obligations, our abilities, all, all these things come into play when it comes to serving the Lord. But f- guess what? All these things are known by God. He's not surprised by any of those things. He doesn't ask for what we don't have. He asks for what we do have to be used for His glory. He asks us to use all we are and have for His glory, to f- seek first His kingdom, and to serve His people, which leads me to my next point. Retirement is a stewardship. Retirement is a stewardship. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. It says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So each one of us has been given gifts um, in various measures from God, skills, talents, resources, whatever, abilities. Uh, We're called to be his stewards. And a steward is basically a trustee if you know what a trustee is. So, in other words, we're to manage what God's blessed us with for Him. We may, he's blessed us with something, we're to manage it for Him, to accomplish His purposes. So what I want to look at this morning is three areas of stewardship. 
stewardship of time, stewardship of talents, and stewardship of treasure. So first of all, stewardship of time. Now, it seems pretty obvious that without the commitment to full-time work that we should have more time for other things, right, in retirement. Now, I can't tell you how many people told me when I was getting ready to retire, you're going to find out that you don't, you're not going to understand how you were able to work because you will have so much that fills up your time when you retire. But guess what? We choose what fills up that time to a large degree when we retire. How can we use our time to glorify God? And one thing that we see in Scripture is that older Christians are called to disciple, to mentor, and to teach. Now, this may or may not be in a formal setting, all right? More, more often than not, it's in an informal setting that this kind of thing takes place because all it really takes is getting involved with others, sharing the wisdom and, uh, that you've gained, the, the knowledge that you've gained over, over your time living the Christian life. So in order to do this, what you need to do and what I encourage you to do is keep your relationships with family, with church, with community, with neighbors, with people alive because serving, discipling, mentoring, and all those kinds of things take place within those contexts of relationship that we have with others. We, we're able to do those kinds of things. Another thing we can do is, is to seek out uh, opportunities to serve the Lord with our time to make this a priority. Folks, don't take on the attitude, and I've heard this expressed a number of times, but the whole idea is I've done my part, now it's somebody else's turn. In other words, I, I did my part when I was younger, now I'm older, it's your turn. Folks, that doesn't glorify God. That attitude doesn't glorify God. There's so much that a retired person can do that, that no one else can. I think of the, uh, two men, I call them the Johns from Cohansey Baptist Church because their names are John, okay? Makes sense, right? But one of them's a retired pastor and, and he has over and over and over again become an interim pastor for another church. He stepped in to fill the pulpit when needed. Sometimes he's been sitting in the sanctuary in the church and someone's come to him and say, the preacher couldn't make it. Can you preach today? And he's done it. He's serving the Lord the way he can with the skills that God has given him. The other John is always giving his time and to, to, in helping and serving others, and he will um, drive people places. He'll have people into his home uh, to entertain them, just to give them a good meal and that kind of thing. Right now he has a young man living with him who just needs help, and he's trying to help that young man. He has him living with him, always doing what he can do. When, when we lived in Pennsylvania, we had a couple of deacons at our church who were retired men, and whenever anybody went into the hospital, they were the first ones at their bedside. They made it a priority. They were going to be there as quickly as they could because they knew they were retired and they were able to do that. My, my dad is going to turn 90. Um, next month, in March, he'll turn 90. Every Sunday morning, probably right now, I don't remember what time there's this, but every Sunday morning, he's in Florida, every Sunday morning, he teaches a Sunday school class. Now, he's hard of hearing. He wears the hearing aids and still has a hard time hearing. He, he, his voice isn't as strong as it used to be, so he has a microphone 
and a little speaker thing that hangs around his neck, you know, to, so that people can hear what he's saying. But he's serving the Lord with the abilities that God's given him. He's not saying it's somebody else's turn. It's still his turn to do that. There's no end to the ways a retiree can serve with his or her time. Some of the greatest prayer warriors are retired people, older people. They have the time to pray. They, don't, they may not have a lot of strength, but they, they can pray. They can make phone calls sometimes. Some, some older people, believe it or not, can even send emails and texts and, and Facebook messages and what, what not. Believe it or not, that's possible. My, my mom does that, by the way. She's 90, what is she, 91? Something like that. And she still does that kind of thing. All kinds of things we can do. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. If, you, if you're retired or soon will be, think about how you can use God's gift of time for His kingdom and for His glory. Also, there's stewardship of talents. So in addition to the gifts that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, we each have talents, skills, abilities, perhaps gained through experience or whatever, maybe even, even in our jobs. But as I said earlier, even these are gifts from God. He's the one that gives those things to us. So as you seek to glorify God in retirement, consider how you can use all these things that you know, how you can redeploy these gifts that God's given to you in kingdom service, serving the church, serving fellow believers, serving in the community in Jesus' name, helping a neighbor, that kind of thing. Um, perhaps volunteering in an organization like Samaritan's Purse is one I had looked at recently uh, that has all kinds of opportunities out there. They, need, they have disaster relief efforts, and so uh, they need people who can run a chainsaw or use tools or help feed people, uh, all those kinds of things. They also, the Operation Christmas Child that we, we did here uh, before Christmas is another place. They use a lot of different kinds of people. Um, on their website, they talk about leadership, church relations, logistics, administration, community relations, media support, and it goes on and on. I don't know how many of those are available here, but there are Christian organizations that we can serve in if we have a little more time as retired people. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities for retired medical workers. Um, also, many Christian ministries need help in areas of accounting and business administration. Really, there are few skills and abilities that we can have that can't be directed towards some kind of kingdom work. There are many that can be. And I did say the word work. And I know when you're retired, work is a dirty four-letter word. But, but folks, the Bible teaches the intrinsic value of work. Adam and Eve, when they were put in the garden, before sin ever entered in the world, they were given work to do. They were to tend the garden. They were to manage the creation that God had given to them. They were given a job to do. As Cagle writes, he says, without work that's both fulfilling and contributes to others' good, our lives and retirement will lack the meaning and purpose that work provides. So folks, we glorify God when we use our talents and abilities 
in a way that reveals his importance to us, in a way that glorifies him. Third, there's stewardship of treasure. The Bible teaches two reasons to work for pay, only two that, I, that I'm aware of, uh, to provide for your needs and those of your family and to support generosity towards others. Those are the two reasons we see in Scripture. Now, when we retire, we no longer work for pay, or at least we work a lot less for pay uh, in our retirement. But once you retire, how do you use your treasure? Beyond just the basics, what do you do? Do you use it just for yourself and for yours and your family's enjoyment? Uh, entertainment, travel, fun activities, things like that? Is that how you use all your money? Or do you consider how to use it to glorify God and further His kingdom? Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also make sure you're laying up treasure for yourself in heaven during your retirement after all folks you're getting closer to eternity if you're at retirement age send something ahead some treasure ahead use your money to glorify God use your money to reveal his preciousness to you. And that brings me to my final point, and that is our rest is yet to come. Our rest is yet to come. Retirement, just think about it if this is true, retirement is often viewed as the last chance we have to really enjoy life, to get all that enjoyment we may have missed. You've probably seen these commercials, especially from investment companies, right? You have these commercials that, that depict people um, doing all sorts of fun things. They, they, these are people who have rested from work, and now they're, they're just out there having a good time, enjoying themselves. But as Christians we know that this life isn't all there is. We have an eternity to look forward to, folks. It's out there looking at us. The writer of Hebrews speaks of this as entering into God's rest. He's provided a rest for us. Folks, we look forward to an eternity that will make the most enjoyable retirement that you can imagine pale by comparison. Imagine it. Don't, li don't live life as if you have to get it all now. You don't have to get it all now. The best is yet to come. Eternal life with Jesus, with our Redeemer, with our Savior. What could be better than that? Listen to 1 Peter 1, verses 4 to 6. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, 
undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Live your retirement years with this living hope always front and center in your mind. Make that a part of your life. Live to glorify God. Live so that everyone can see the importance, the weightiness of Jesus in your life. Don't waste your retirement. Don't waste it. Use it as yet another season of life to serve Jesus. Folks, don't waste any part of your life. Don't waste any part of your life. You know what the biggest waste of your life could possibly be? The biggest waste of your life is to reject Jesus. That's the biggest waste of your life, to reject Jesus, to go your own way rather than to trust Him as Savior and Lord, rather than to trust Him as your King. Because, folks, if you do that, that's the path to emptiness in this life and hell in the next. We don't like to talk about hell, do we? But there's a good and there's a bad here. Folks, if, if you still have sin between you and God because you haven't been forgiven by Jesus, you can't glorify God. You can't fulfill your purpose in this world. And you can't have the eternal joy that comes from that. So if you haven't trusted in Jesus, why not? What's your reason? I'd like to say, what's your excuse? But maybe you have something that's keeping you from it. Some question in the back of your mind, something nagging at you that just makes it hard for you to accept Jesus. Talk to Pastor Jay about that. Talk to me about that. Because we don't, I don't assume that everybody feels like, well, hey, yeah, that's obvious. I ought to receive Jesus. I know that's not the case. But folks, there are good reasons to believe in Jesus. <laughs> it's not an irrational thing to do. It's a very rational thing to do, even though it's by faith. Maybe you're nowhere near retirement. You're a long ways from retirement. This is, <laughs> you know, you, you were trying to zone out, right? Because you knew this is, this is a long time away from me. Seek to glorify God where you are. In your current phase of life, don't waste any part of your life. Remember, everything we are and have is from God. It's something that he's entrusted to us to use for his glory. That's why we have it. And that's true, folks, that's true whether you're a child today or a youth today, a young adult today, a middle adult, an older adult, an ancient adult. It doesn't matter where you are in life. We are entrusted with whatever we're entrusted with to use for his glory. Someday, we'll each stand before Jesus. It'll be a great time. Someday, each of us will stand before Jesus. Do you want to tell him that you spent any part of your life on the American dream or on your own agenda? Is that what you want to tell him? Whatever season of life you're in, use it 
to glorify God. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the world around us. It's easy for us to become like the people in our world, like our culture. It takes a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit working in us to help us to get beyond that. And so this morning, Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit work in the life of each person in this room. First of all, any who do not know Jesus, Lord, don't, don't let them alone until they come to faith in Jesus. But for those of us who do, Father, work in our lives to help us to live beyond this culture and to live for our new kingdom with our new king, Jesus Christ. Help us to serve him in every area of our lives, and especially as we get to retirement. Lord, don't let us, don't let us take on the world's view of retirement. Help us to serve you every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know how it happened, but from practice to our first song, my ukulele went totally out of tune, so I apologize for that. But thankfully, as Pastor Dan shared, that we can glorify God, even if we are off tune or out of tune or off the note, we can still glorify God. So hopefully it's in tune now. Please stand as we are reminded that we can bless the Lord in any season of our lives.
I don't know what the Lord may have been speaking to you today, but I do know that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts in any message. So however he's spoken to you, respond to him. If you have questions, I believe there'll be a couple of people down front that you can come and uh, ask questions, get prayed with. Um, If you have other questions beyond that, you can ask Pastor Jay, you can ask me. Um, But don't let what the Holy Spirit does in your heart fade away without acting on it because it's so important. Father, we thank you for the time that we come together as a body of believers. Father, I thank you for each person here today because, Lord, I know you brought them here. And Father, I pray that we will be the church to each other, that we will be the support, the, the encouragement to follow you day in and day out, whatever phase of life we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.